morning, everybody. Welcome to South Valley. It is a great opportunity today to give God praise. He is good in all circumstances. So let's come to our feet wherever you are and give God some praise this morning. Lift your voices up. Come on.
God some praise this morning, man. If that doesn't get you going in the morning, I don't know what will. God is good all the time. His grace overflows. Let's continue to worship him together. Come on. Yeah. 
I want you to take these words in this morning as we lift them up. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. In all circumstances, God is good, his grace overflows, and we lean on him, for he is the hope and the light of the world. We need to believe that in our hearts. Come on. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing those words again. Come on. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in
Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through Father, Lord, we come before you this morning and we seek you. Dwell among us, Lord. Let this time be focused on you. As we come before you, let us cling to the hope that we just sang about, the hope found in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for every heart. If there's a heart that is watching this, and doesn't understand the love that you have for them, Lord. I pray that you would touch that heart this morning, that they would feel your love. They would want to know more about your son. They would reach out, take a step of faith, and want you to know the love you have for them and the connection that they can make with you through your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Ultimately, bowing to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for hearts that need to be restored, difficult times, Lord. Let us be reminded that you are good in all circumstances. Let us believe in our hearts, Lord, that you are a God who is working on our behalf even when we can't see it. We know that if you are for us, what could stand against us? So we lay it all down before you now. We thank you for this time of worship that we can just raise our voices. Let's continue to worship you throughout this day and everything we do. Honor you. And Lord, be your hands and feet to the world around us, Lord. So we seek you this morning. Speak powerfully through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. South Valley, what's going on, you guys? We thought we'd change it up a little bit with the environment. We out in the wilderness. Want to say welcome and thank you for joining us online. If this is your first time, we want to especially welcome you. And thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. If you wouldn't mind, we're going to put the link to our online communication card. We would love for you to check that out so that we can reach out to you and support you and encourage you, answer any questions you might have about Jesus or what it means to be a follower of Jesus or just any questions that you've got. So we'll put that link here on the video for you to check out. We are continually looking for ways to serve our community. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how we can come alongside our city. And October 31st is a great day for us to be able to do that. And so we are collecting candy for the city of Lemoore's trunk or treat the drive-through that they are having on the night of the 31st. So we're still collecting candy, y'all. You can bring them on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or you can bring them to the church office during the week and we'll have a bucket out there available. Also, please make sure that you check out SVCC families that we do have Glowween that's happening on the 31st for all SVCC families. And so we have a bunch of information about that available on the SVCC Kids 
Facebook. So you're gonna wanna check that out. We'll put that link here for you as well to check out. It's gonna be awesome, guys. You wanna make sure you check that out. Now, we also wanted to give you guys an update as far as what we are headed to in the future with our gatherings. So we are gonna to continue to meet outdoor for our Sunday morning 9 a.m. worship services. However, we're gonna make a time change on the 1st of November. So next Sunday, we're gonna begin meeting at 10 a.m. outside at the worship center. But what's crazy though is that's gonna be the day of the time change. So technically that's supposed to be 11 a.m according to our previous clock. So we are gonna change that time to 10 a.m. just as a reminder for you. And our hope and our prayer is by the time the 29th comes along of November, guys, we're praying that our county, Kings County, transitions into the orange tier. And what that will allow us to do is that'll allow us to be able to meet indoors of about upwards of 250 to 260 people. We're currently working on getting things worked out to have some streaming happening into our chapel so that we can be indoors and have an indoor facility. So that that's our prayer right now is we're currently making that uh, trek right now. So we are going to continue to meet uh, outdoors again through the 22nd of November. But starting on the 1st of November, we're going to be meeting at 10 a.m. And then hoping and praying. We hope that you join us in that prayer that we will be taken care of uh, in terms of the 29th and getting into that orange tier so that we can meet indoors. Right now, I'm going to pass things along to uh, my friend Seth. He's going to hook you guys up with some information about how you can serve. So... Seth, why don't you go ahead and give him a holler, brother. Hey, what's going on, South Valley? If you guys don't already know me, my name is Seth, and I'm one of the pastors here at South Valley. And basically, my job is just to help you try and take your next steps and live out the life that Jesus has planned for you. And so uh, here's the deal. This pandemic has hit all of us really hard, and we as a staff at South Valley have been trying really hard to do our best to try and come alongside each of you and serve you the best that we can. But in the midst of this, we also as a church, we need a lot more volunteers to try and keep reaching our city and our community. So uh, that's where I come in, and that's where in that process, I will be with you every step of the way. But here's what I want to say first. To those of you who uh, have already been serving and helping us out all throughout this process, thank you so, so much for all of your help. We truly appreciate what you've done and your heart for Jesus. And for those of you who, if you have ever considered serving in ministry, uh, I just want to encourage you to reach out to me and I will help you through that whole process. We've got loads of ministries that we would love to get you plugged into, all the way from children's to tech, or even to just working right alongside me, helping uh, to create the best possible experience for everyone uh, who decides to participate with our church. So if you've ever had an interest in serving or getting more plugged in with our church, I just want to encourage you, reach out to me. You can email me at seth at svcclemore.org, or you can download the Church Center app or go to our website, svcclemore.org, hit next steps, hit serve, fill out the form there. That'll also come to me and I will walk you through the whole process and help you out from there. And I just want to say on behalf of all the staff at South Valley, we are so excited to see you take your next steps in Jesus. Thanks, church. I'm going to hand it back to Marcus. 
All right, thank you so much, Seth, for helping us to know how we can serve, how we can get plugged in. If you are someone who has been just itching to serve or you're curious more about that, please follow through with what Seth had mentioned. It has such a, a huge marker of the faith, a, a great discipline for anyone who follows Jesus is to have a generous heart uh, of resources, of gifts and talents and time. And we definitely want to encourage people to take that step. Also, if you are in uh, the discipline of giving and consistency of giving, we wanna thank you so much for doing that for our church family as we seek to further the gospel and help people to know Jesus. Uh, and so if you are wanting to be able to give, you can definitely do that through the app, the Church Center app that he mentioned. You could also bring your offering to the church office door and there's a safe, secure spot for you to put that into. Uh, right now, we would love just to be able to pray with you and uh, we'll allow you to carry on with the remainder of the service. So let's go ahead and uh, get to, to praying. Father in heaven, thank you so much just for your goodness and for loving us in the many ways that you do. Father, we pray that as we learn today that we would connect with your word in a way that helps us to know deeper the love that you have for us and uh, how you call us to love others well, Father. We also just thank you so much for calling us your masterpiece, Lord. Ephesians 2.10 says that you call us your masterpiece, and we pray, Father, that that just helps us to remember our worth, that you would call us that and that you would send your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that through our faith in, in him that we can have that relationship with you, Lord. And so as we continue with the service, Father, would we grow? Uh, would we just have this desire to further your kingdom and to love you and others with all that we have? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, guys, you all have a wonderful day and we will hopefully catch you soon. See ya. Well, hey, welcome to Church South Valley. We are so excited that you're tuning in with us this morning, and uh, we hope that you were able to get engaged and enjoy that uh, awesome worship that John and his team brought to us. And hopefully you don't check out yet. Hopefully you've got a few more minutes that you're willing to stick around with us and uh, let me preach to you. I promise it won't take that long. But uh, just thank you for being here, and we hope that you can get plugged in and, uh, and enjoy your time with us this morning. So, I, uh, I have a lot of aunts and uncles. Uh, my mom only had one brother, but my dad was actually one of seven children, and that's only included the family that he was adopted into, not the one before that. Uh, I actually don't even know how many brothers and sisters he's got over there, uh, but I know there's a lot. So he was one of seven. I've got a lot of aunts and uncles, and my dad has a brother named Danny. And, uh, and Danny married a woman named Sheila. Well, growing up, I didn't actually quite know them as Uncle Danny and Aunt Sheila. See, Uncle Danny was fine. That was, that's actually exactly what I called him. But my aunt taught me not to call her Aunt Sheila. She was actually, she was very specific that her name was Aunt Princess Sheila. Emphasis on that princess bit. And, uh, and the funny part of the story is that as I was growing up, I actually thought nothing of this. It was just like, oh, okay, this is my Aunt Princess Sheila. That's her name, whatever. Apparently, people have the name Princess. It's, I mean, I was a kid. I didn't know any better. But it actually, it wasn't until high school that I mentioned my Aunt Princess Sheila in a conversation, and I paused because it was then that I realized just how awkward those words felt coming out of my mouth. You ever have that happen? Like you know something your whole life and then you finally say it out loud to somebody and you're like, wait a second. 
Yeah, that, that was that moment for me. And uh, that was the first time it occurred to me that she was only actually my Aunt Sheila. Like, she tricked me for so many years. And uh, the, the funny thing about belief, especially belief as a child, is that what she told me, it shaped the way that I thought about her. It shaped the way that I talked to others about her. It shaped the way that I talked to her. Anything to do with my aunt was shaped by the fact that I believed her to be my Aunt Princess Sheila, which, by the way, she still is my Aunt Princess Sheila, just in case that gets out there. Uh, the princess bit still remains. But so uh, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you, you can follow along with me in John chapter 3. We're actually going to be, uh, a lot of you might know John 3 from John 3.16. We're not actually going to hit that at all. We're going to read everything up to that and then stop. But uh, you can follow along in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen for you and you can follow along there. Or if you have the Church Center app, you can just go down to the Sunday service tab hit the uh, scripture there, and we've got all the exact verses that I'm going to be reading right there for you. You don't have to go and find them. They're right there. So we're going to start in John chapter 3, and starting in verses 1 and 2, we read this. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Okay, so first, can I tell you something that I love about preaching? See, it's actually pretty frequent for me that I see things in Scripture, in the Bible, for the very first time while preparing the sermon that I'm getting ready to preach. That happened to me uh, this time. See, we're told a lot of important things here about Nicodemus. We're told that he came to talk to Jesus at night. Why did he come at night, right? Why is that important? Well, because of the groups that he was a part of. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. That's what it told us right at the beginning. And that's important because these are the people who hated Jesus, these are the people who frequently challenged Jesus. And, and ultimately, these are the people who eventually crucified Jesus. But he was also a member of the Jewish ruling council. This is also known as the Sanhedrin council. And this was the same council that the apostle Paul would eventually be on before he was converted to Christianity. That's where he was when he was persecuting the Christians after the death of Jesus even. That's the group that Nicodemus was a part of. But when Nicodemus comes to Jesus, see, this is what I, this is what I keyed, on, keyed in on, is that when he comes to Jesus, he says, we know that you're a teacher sent from God. That we really stood out to me this time. Because see, there's a couple possibilities here. It's possible that Nicodemus is coming to talk to Jesus because he's part of a group of Pharisees who genuinely believe that Jesus is sent from God. It's also possible that Nicodemus was completely alone on this among the Pharisees. It's also entirely possible that Nicodemus was turning his back 
on his peers, on those who he worked incredibly closely with on religious terms to get to know more about this man, Jesus. This we very well may be uh, a representation that Nicodemus is considering himself to be among the crowds who would gather to see Jesus do miracles. We know that you're sent from God. And, and while all of this is, honestly, it's all just conjecture, it's incredibly interesting to think that it's possible that Nicodemus had already begun to realign himself away from those who were religious in order to see Jesus. And I know that this is the story for a lot of us. This plays a part even in my own story. But either way, Nicodemus has come, to, come at night to speak with Jesus. And maybe it was because he, other, he knew other Pharisees wouldn't approve. Maybe it was because he wanted some time alone for a one-on-one -on -one personal conversation with Jesus. But either way, here we are. And he said these words to Jesus, and then we pick up in verse 3 of our text. And so in John 3, 3, it says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Like, what do you mean he replied? Like, Nicodemus didn't even ask a question, right? Out of nowhere, Jesus just starts talking about this idea of being born again in order to see the kingdom of God. And so naturally, Nicodemus is confused, just like anyone, any one of us would have been, and he starts asking questions about, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? And so then we keep reading in John 3, verses 4 through 8 this time. And it says, how can someone be born when they're old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Got it? Do you totally understand what Jesus is talking about when he talks about being born again? If you don't, that's okay, because neither did Nicodemus, right? But here's the gist of what Jesus is, is getting at here. Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to wrap his mind around the fact that we live in a physical world, but while we live in this physical world, there is very much a spiritual reality that we need to be aware of and connected to. The Apostle Paul, uh, who we sp spoke about earlier, uh, he was one of Jesus' followers later in the, in the Bible, and he makes it incredibly clear to us in different places, like his letter to the Romans or his letter to the Ephesians, that though we were born physically alive into this world, we were born spiritually dead. And because of the reality of sin in this world, he says that we are dead in our sins. That's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. You can go look that up. 
Now, obviously, you're still living and breathing in order to be watching this sermon or listening to the audio podcast version of it. But spiritually, each of us has started in a place that we still need to be brought to life. And that is exactly what Jesus was teaching Nicodemus here. But then we run into the question, how does all of this work, right? Because Jesus is is over here speaking in riddles, doing his thing, and Nicodemus is like, what are you talking, like, can you just speak clearly, Jesus? So, here we go, in John chapter 3, verse 9 now. It says, how can this be, Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen, but, you, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one's ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Okay, here's where it gets good. Because this is where Jesus starts getting into the actual point of this whole conversation. So, last year, uh, my wife and I, we went on a vacation together, and we went to Southern California, and we went down to, uh, to watch a hockey game, back when those were still a thing, and uh, check out some different churches, and to go to Disneyland, because that's how we compromise, right? I love Anaheim hockey, she loves Anaheim Disney. It works for us, and it's so convenient that the Honda Center and Disneyland, they're both right off Catella, not that far from each other, it's just it works out. That's our compromise. So on one of the Sundays that we were there, uh, we went and we visited North Coast Church in Vista, which is near San Diego. And uh, we actually had lunch in San Diego. And then because we'd been driving so much, we promised our kids that we would take them to a park. So we get to the park and there was only one thing in that time of my daughter Felicity, of her life, that she ever wanted to do. There was one thing that consumed her life because she's like her dad and she's so annoyingly obsessive. And so this one thing was that she wanted to blow bubbles. That's all she wanted. She wants to blow bubbles. So we went and we got some bubbles out of the car because, well, those of you who are parents, you understand that like when you pack the diaper bags and the backpacks and everything, you go and you, you basically pack up your whole house, you throw everything into the bag, except there's that one thing that your kid has to have that they probably shouldn't have to have, but you know that you still have to throw it into the backpack anyway, because if they find out that you don't have that one thing, well, then your life is miserable, right? So that one thing, that was bubbles. So we came prepared. We're in the middle of nowhere in San Diego. We've got bubbles, right? And uh, so we go to the car, we get her some of the bubbles, and we're letting her blow bubbles and chase them and everything. We're blowing some for her, and it's, it's all great. The kids are having fun. Well, at this park, there were a couple other kids there, and they saw uh, our kids blowing bubbles, and, and they got interested. So they come over, and their grandpa comes up to us, and he's like, hey, do you mind if uh, my granddaughters play with your kids and blow some bubbles, and, and I'll stay here and watch them with you? 
Sure, absolutely. We, we get the opportunity to teach our kids to share. This is all uh, pre-pandemic and all of that stuff, by the way. And, uh, and our kids get to play with some other kids, and this is all great. And uh, so that's, that's what happened. Then, at this random park in San Diego, this grandpa, whom we've never met, goes, you know what? I, I think I've actually got some bubble stuff in the car. Okay, so he's got some bubble stuff in the car, and so then he turns to his granddaughters, and he says, hey, you girls stay here while I go to the car and get your bubble stuff. And he walks over a hill, disappears, and he's gone, and his granddaughters are still here with us. And Katie and I are like, what? Like, what just happened? Like, is he coming back? I don't even know these girls' names. What do we, how do, do we call the police? Like, what in the world just happened? And, and we're trying to figure out, like, what do we do? This is, this is so weird that we're, like, going into shock. And a few moments later, we, we see him pop back over the hill, and uh, he's carrying like a, a massive load of bubble material because apparently like this is his thing. But at the end of the day, this man genuinely believed that my wife and I were good enough people that he could leave his granddaughters with us. Now, here's what I want you to understand. There are plenty of people who I think are good enough people for me to trust my kids with them but I don't believe well enough to actually leave my kids with them, right? If you believe something, it takes such a priority in your life that you're willing to act on that thing. This man believed we were good enough people to watch his granddaughters, and he acted on it, no matter how insane that might actually be. And three separate times in this passage that we just read, not not the whole of John chapter 3 that we've gone through, but just that last passage that we read, three separate times, Jesus uses the word believe. This is what it's all about. Now, think about this, because we know that in this story, Nicodemus and Jesus are standing face to face right? They're talking to each other. They're seeing each other. They're interacting with each other. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that he has to believe. So obviously, Jesus isn't telling Nicodemus just that he has to believe that he exists, because obviously they're past that, right? So there has to be more than that. See, I have a three-year-old, a one-year-old, and a newborn. And this means that there is literally always crying in my house, all day, every day, for every reason, no matter what. It does not stop. And so, when I hear screaming and crying, there are a few things that have to happen, but ultimately, I have to decide if someone's hurt or if someone's just throwing a temper tantrum. Because, see, I'm the parent that if my kid is throwing a temper tantrum at home, I'll wait it out. Like, listen, I got more attitude than you think you got, so we can, we can do this, right? I'll wait it out, and, uh, and you're not going to get a reaction from me, 
until you decide that you can treat me like a human being, okay? And, uh, and so that's, you know, that's if they're throwing some attitude my way, if they're throwing a temper tantrum. But if my kids are hurt, then you better believe that I am up and moving quicker than I ever thought was possible. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to the fact that my actions are dictated by my beliefs. See, you can tell me all day long that you believe in Jesus, but I'm going to be looking at your actions. The world is going to be looking at your actions. If you tell me that you believe in Jesus, but your actions reflect nothing of his teachings, then I'm sorry, but I don't think that you truly believe in Jesus. You may think that he existed. You may believe that he existed, but you don't believe in the man Jesus. If you've been in church for a while, then, then you're likely familiar with something that, that we call the Roman road. And if you're unfamiliar, basically there are these group, uh, there's this group of passages in the book of Romans that clearly lay out a path of salvation. It's, it's one of the clearest places that we get this picture. And in the midst of the Roman road, we read this passage, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And it says this, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's pretty clear, right? So we read that, and then we say things like believe in Jesus or accept Jesus into your heart. But that's not quite what the passage is saying, right? There, there are two words here that Paul put together very intentionally. Lord and believe. See, if you believe in Jesus, then that means that you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, which is king of the world, Lord of lords. He's the one coming back to make all things right and has ultimate authority. But you also believe that you are who he says you are. And that leads you to only one option, of submitting to him as your king, of saying, Jesus, if I believe, then that means you are my king. You are my Lord. You are the ultimate authority of my life, which means you get to dictate how I live my life. Do you see in just this one passage how clear it is that action is involved in this? Now, I want to be very, very, very clear. You are not saved by your actions. The only actions that can save you are those that Jesus performed on the cross. Those are the only actions. But if you truly believe in Jesus and declare him as your Lord, then there will be actions to follow. And if there's not, then the Bible actually makes clear to us that you never actually believed. It's, it's as simple as that. See, people often get confused by the relationship between faith and works, but this is it. Genuine faith yields genuine works. And we can actually begin to see that in Nicodemus when we move through the story that John wrote down for us. See, there are these guards who, uh, forward in the story, they've, they've just begun to talk to the Pharisees, and they were with Jesus, but they didn't arrest him and bring him back. And so we pick up there in John chapter 7, starting in verse 45. And we read this, it says, Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. 
You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Then it says Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own, one of their own number asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? So here we actually see Nicodemus stand up to the Pharisees that he was a part of, and he actually starts to align himself with Jesus. He stands at the defense of Jesus. None of the other Pharisees were willing to do this. And listen, this was risky business for Nicodemus. He ran the risk of losing his job, of losing all of his credibility, of being socially ostracized. And you might be thinking that's, that's a bit harsh because he was still, what he was saying was still true to the law and the Pharisees followed the law. But I would remind you that the Pharisees were willing to manipulate the law in order to crucify Jesus. But then there's more. See, Nicodemus stands up to them here, but then he's mentioned one more time in the Gospel of John. Immediately following the crucifixion of Jesus, towards the end of the letter that John wrote for us, in John chapter 19, starting in verse 38, we read this. It says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. So with Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and olives, about 75 pounds. And taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial custom. So here's what's so important about this passage. Nicodemus was willing to associate himself with another Christ follower, even if it was a baby step. Nicodemus also brought his own possessions to give to the burial of Jesus. And he did the work to make sure that Jesus had a proper burial. Now listen, church, if you you checked out, check back in here. Listen, what you give your time, your attention, your possessions, and your efforts to will declare to the rest of the world what you actually believe in. Before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he told his followers that he would be leaving them with the Holy Spirit. And he told them that it would be a good thing because he would always be with them. See, Jesus was, he was a man who was only in one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit, he said, will be with you always. He's everywhere. And so knowing that, knowing that he's always there, knowing that he's always leading us, I think it's incredibly important for those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers to pause for a moment and ask the question, where is the Holy Spirit leading me? And and maybe this is even a moment in uh, your life that this becomes your prayer and you simply begin to pray to the Holy Spirit. You ask him, Holy Spirit, where are you leading me right now? Because he's always leading He may be leading you to sit still for a moment and trust him. He may be leading you to take a step uh, that that you can't see the end result towards, that you can't see the ground in front of you, and you're not ready to take that. 
But whatever it is, I can guarantee you that he is leading you and he's simply waiting for you to believe enough to follow his leadership. So where is the Holy Spirit leading you? What does a first step or a next step look like for you? <laughs> Listen, I wish I could tell you what to do next, but I can't. That's not how it works. That just means that you need to spend more time personally with the Holy Spirit and in the Word of God and seeking out what is He leading you to do. And when He tells you, believe Him. Now, for what it's worth, I can tell you that following the Holy Spirit is terrifying. <laughs> but it's also the best thing that can and will ever happen to you. I've waited when it seemed insane. I've taken steps when I couldn't see the ground in front of me. And when it's all said and done, I can tell you with complete confidence that God is good. Believe that he is good. Let that belief dictate your actions. Remain in Christ. Take your next step in the kingdom and believe because that's what you were made for. God, thank you for your people. Thank you for uh, your word that you've given to us and the opportunity to look into it, to follow you, uh, to have an opportunity to be a part of what you're doing in our world. And God, I just pray that for each of those uh, who are participating in this service, who uh, are hearing your word this morning, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present and that he would be working in those lives and that he would be softening hearts and leading people closer to you and leading us, Jesus, as a church. Lead us to be your hands and feet, to participate in your kingdom, to do what needs to be done, and not to just uh, come and be consumers on a Sunday morning, but to participate in what you've called us to do. May our belief be more than just a confession to you. May it be more than just a moment in time, but let it be the declaration of our lives that we are all in, that we believe so much in you, Jesus, that we will follow you wherever you lead us, that we will do whatever you call us to do, that we will get as uncomfortable as you call us to get because we know that you're worth it, because we know that you're good. And so, Jesus, we lay this at your feet. We lay ourselves at your feet this morning. And it's in your perfect name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, church, and I hope you have a wonderful week.